Hello and welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And this week, we can neither confirm nor deny details of any operation of this podcast without the Secretary's approval. But what we can tell you is that we will be concluding our Mission Impossible franchise rewatch in preparation for next week's podcast episode. There's your first teaser of the next episode. <laughs> so we cover today Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Mission Impossible Fallout. But since we got a lot to talk about, Jeremy, let's jump right in to the soup du jour. Uh, what's the soup du jour again? Well, Jeremy... The soup du jour. The soup du jour is actually the soup of the day, but well, also that sounds good. Mm, yeah, I, are you gonna have some? I think so. I, I think I'll have some. You have some? All right. Excuse cool, me, cool. Flo. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do the uh, yeah the the, the hairy <laughs> maniacal laugh. Oh my god, it's too good. But anyway, for this week's soup du jour, aka the ritual, um, Jeremy, um. This past week, and again, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, July 12th, they released the first batch of Deadpool 3 set photos. Um, I was really surprised, and I completely, ju- completely just remembered when I was like looking at it. I was like, oh, wait, I forgot they moved it up to freaking May of next year. Holy shit, I'm not ready for this already. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. I know, I'm excited too. So uh, let's get right into this topic. Um, So for the soup du jour, let me ask you this, Jeremy. Well, first Mm. of all, I mean, the set photos kind of show, this is not the question, by the way, sorry. Um, They did show that Wolverine, played by Hugh Jackman, is in the classic yellow and blue suit. Your thoughts on that? Oh man, it looks so good. Like I, I see a lot of people complaining that he has sleeves, mm-hmm. but then again, where they're currently filming, it looks like it's like the snow or something. It like looks that, really right? cold. Yeah, <laughs> it does look cold. And so I was like, okay, maybe, maybe he'll have like short sleeves later on in the movie, and maybe we'll see that uh, iteration of the costume a little bit later but even with the sleeves just the fact that we have the yellow costume yeah, I think it's pretty and it looks good it does look good I was surprised that it looks good because it could really look horrible like, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean in your own head I was like dang I don't know but I'm hoping that maybe during a fight or whatever he just kind of just like loses it or whatever just like oh, I don't know rages out and all of a sudden just rips his uh... it becomes a moment where he rips the uh, sleeves off <laughs> Yeah, either that or Deadpool. It's like, hey, this is not comic accurate. And he like, pulls it off, <laughs> yeah. slashes it off or something like that. Oh, man. Well, let me ask you this. This is actually the soup du jour question. Um, let me well, actually in two parts. First of all, what are your expectations for this film? And ultimately, where do you think it will land in your MCU rankings? Ooh, okay, that's going to be hard. I think, because I really like Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2. There's some things I like better about, um, like different things I like, different aspects I like about both of them. Um, But I still feel like it'll end up in my top 15, is is my guess. 
Because if I were to make a full like Marvel thing, if you include like the Fox X Men, um, the Sam Raimi Spider Mans, and all that stuff, I think you know those. A lot of those movies do land in the top fifteen, include like with the MCU. So I'm guessing that's where Deadpool three is going to land. I feel like it's get, it's going to come at the perfect time where we're it's going to be almost a satire on superhero movies. Right. But like the multiverse. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and time travel and all that stuff. I feel like it's going to be, yeah, it's going to come at the right time. I, I'm hoping. Yeah. And I feel like obviously they're going to have a lot of nods to the Fox universe and all mm-hmm. that stuff and anything related to thing. Because obviously with Deadpool, there is like nothing, nothing's out of bounds really. Yeah, nothing's um, sacred. <laughs> nothing definitely is sacred. And obviously, Ryan Reynolds will be talking to us a good amount, too, breaking that fourth wall. Yeah, in the set photos, there was actually a uh, the broken-down 20th Century, Century Fox, Fox, which I <laughs> stupid. I was like, all right. Dude, That's I know. Funny. It's like, really? The first thing that we see is, <laughs> is that already? Oh, dude, you you know they're not going to... Yeah, there's there won't be any boundaries, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like very early on in the movie if not like the opening fight sequence yeah well to answer my own question for my expectations i'm just hoping that i had i kind of rediscover the feeling that i got watching the first deadpool because i didn't really know what to expect again like uh before all of these um big blockbuster comic book movies that have come out, especially since um, a lot of them now have like their own expanded universe and everything. This is really me. I, I, you know, I don't really know a lot of the uh, what's going on like prior to, you know, what the comic should be versus, you know, how it ultimately gets portrayed. And so like going into the first Deadpool, I didn't know really know what to expect, and I don't know. I just loved every minute of the, minute of that movie. It was just irreverent. Obviously, it was gory. It was such a good time just to see Ryan Reynolds in such a like relaxed and just crazy way. I guess with T.J. Miller um, supporting and Morena Baccarin and you know that whole cast. So I'm hoping that that Deadpool three kind of, you know, just kind of taps into that as far as where I hope that it'll land and where I expect it to land in my MCU ranking. I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic. I'm hoping it lands in my top 10. And Mm, that is pretty hard for me. And and we talked about it a lot, especially, you know, with these last few, um, MCU movies, especially uh, most recently the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, it's really tough to crack that top 10. But for me, like best case scenario, I feel like it can kind of settle to where like a Thor Ragnarok would be. And currently I have Thor Ragnarok currently ranked eighth. Because, I mean, I feel like those are comparable movies where there's going to be a lot of that irreverent humor and everything. This is just a rated R version of that uh, Taika Waititi classic. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm hoping so. Because, I don't know, just Wolverine coming back or Hugh Jackman coming back to play Wolverine is pretty huge because I don't know how you can top Logan. I think Logan is definitely top 10. Mm -hmm. So, 
if not top five, that's super hard in terms of his Marvel. But yeah, um, I'm yeah, still I'm not lumping the Fox like universe where like before the merger. I see that really doesn't count. I guess it's just strictly all MCU. Sorry with the with the question. Just want to clarify okay. that. All right, yeah, because they're—I don't know—I'm a pretty big fan of the Fox movies too. So yeah, well, at least some of them. So <laughs> there's there's a good I amount. I feel like Days of amount. Future Past is there. You know, obviously the original First X-Men. Class. Yeah, First yeah. Class is good. And then Logan, I feel like it's the cream of the crop. I think. Yeah. Obviously, Deadpool is up there too. Mm-hmm. Even the second Hopefully. Deadpool. It better be good. Yeah. So uh, before we continue with the rest of this episode we have some socials that we want to plug right jeremy yes starting with our tiktok at weekly real pod uh over there we're going to be talking about some movies some tv uh we're going to do reviews of those tv and movies but um yeah and also some bonus content once in a while there on the tiktok at weekly real pod yes and we also uh really our main um social media is our instagram isn't it jeremy yep and you'll find us at weekly real over there you get up to date on all the announcements and podcast links like our google podcast spotify apple Podcasts, and as well as our recasts and reels so you get to see our faces our guest faces and kind of you can interact a lot with us pretty easily over there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i'm just trying to do a random dance as he says that anyway <laughs> Jeremy, <clears throat> we got a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. Let's issue that spoiler warning because obviously people clicked on this episode for a reason. They wanted to get that refresher before a certain movie that we'll cover maybe next week. Um, Top again, Gun? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, maybe Call was it call Sign Maverick? I'm just kidding. <laughs> we wish. Yeah, I know. That was last season. Anyway. Jeremy, let's issue that spoiler warning. We will be talking about uh, specifics, plot points of two movies this week. And uh, again, yeah, this week, we catch up with a man whose government has betrayed him, disavowed him, and cast him aside. Today, we find out if that man, Ethan Hunt, has had enough as we conclude our Mission Impossible franchise rewatch series with Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which came out in 2015, and Mission Impossible Fallout, which came out in 2018. And so uh, if you want to complete that rewatch, and actually, it's probably be a good uh, one of the good places where we can even um, plug our previous rewatch episodes episode 79 with mission impossible and mission impossible 2 and episode 90 mission impossible 3 and mission impossible ghost protocol all six movies are streaming on paramount plus jeremy are we sponsored no definitely not (laughs) okay (laughs) just want to make sure (laughs) all right with these franchise rewatch episodes obviously we're covering two movies today we're going to have a little bit of a different format so jeremy let's get into topic one and we're bringing it back a season two special of the Mm -hmm. weekly real podcast binge or cringe and so for topic one jeremy and let's start with mission impossible rogue nation what is your most binge-worthy moment from Rogue Nation? 
Ooh, okay. Binge-worthy, I'm gonna say, from Rogue Nation is the car and motorcycle chase scene when, you know, uh, Ethan just recovered the data from the whole, like, water tank thing. We, we can talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah, specifically that car chase scene, like, where he's a little still out of it. <laughs> it's like... And then Benji's like, "Dad, you were just dead." It's like, "What?" <laughs> One of my what favorite moments about? from that was when freaking Ethan tries to jump o- like over the car and do that thing, yeah. and then he just like literally just falls. <laughs> yeah, and the the musical timing's like dun dun dun. She's still like flopping over the car. <laughs> Such good comedic timing. Who knew Tom Cruise had that? You know? Yeah, seriously. Oh um, but yeah, I would probably say that chase car chasing and motorcycle is like there was like not a lot of music during the car chase scene Mm -hmm. which reminded me a lot of another tom cruise movie jack reacher Mm -hmm. the first one yeah and they didn't have music playing and it was a lot of obviously this is the mission impossible version where they're going like so much faster and all that stuff but and a lot of crazy stuff happens but the motorcycle chase scene too, like the freaking explosions, guys crashing into cars, and the fact that it's also Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. and you, you see him like nick his uh, his knee on the pavement too. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tom Cruise is crazy, and we're here for it. So I know it brought back Mission Impossible Two vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, and in uh, Rogue Nation, he has that somewhat long hair too. Yeah. This is probably the best week he can do now, you know, with <laughs> yeah. uh, with his age. I mean, dude, it still look really good. I I feel like yeah, Rogue I, Nation has some underrated hair. I, I think we should have added a six topic. To <laughs> best Tom Cruise hair. Yeah, we should uh, rank his hairs one of these days. I know. Shoot, out of maybe, the mission box. Maybe, maybe uh, <clears throat> in a future episode, possibly uh-huh. next week. <laughs> Oh man, that's a good one. Because again, it everything kind of just happens very seamlessly. I mean, dude, it was such an adrenaline rush with the whole Taurus scene. You know, obviously, you know it's inner. Uh, what do you call it? Inner twined, interspersed. I, I don't know what, what the proper <laughs> word is, but you know, you're going back and forth with what um, Ethan Hunt is doing underwater. Um, trying to you know change the with the, the key or whatever, and then obviously that just leads to so much um, anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously he's like, oh wait, is Benji gonna kind of you know fail like the security, and he's gonna like die, probably get arrested or something like that, or die straight up. Mm-hmm. But you go through that, obviously, free, yeah, freaking Tom Cruise is like clinically dead or whatever because. <laughs> um, Obviously, he needed to get defri- defibrillated. Yeah, resuscitated. resuscitated. Oh my goodness. Yep. Big words today. Yeah, seriously, too many. I know. And then again, the uh, you get the BMW scene. Oh my goodness. One of my favorite scenes is when they just jump off just in reverse and it does this crazy crash. And that then it ends crazy. at the end with Benji going with a delayed. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like watching it this time, I was like, man, it looks like like if you're watching it for the first time and Benji's like upside down with his like neck on the freaking car hood of the hood? No. 
roof of the car. Yeah, roof of the like, car. Like, it looks like he has, like, his neck snapped and all that no, stuff. Dude. And then he just, luckily, he, they had that comedic timing of him waking up. Ah, look out! <laughs> I also like, uh, again, speaking of subtle comedic nods when they run into uh luther and brent and they're driving the, the, <laughs> yeah. the truck and then the look that uh ethan seems still out of it and he does this weird like he's not really even looking but he kind of sees him but he's like giving a nod and then all of a sudden they're trying to you know join the chase it's like always the four by four yeah <laughs> you had to have the four by four <laughs> yeah and like benji in that scene too like he like realizes that it's them and like points at them yeah. it's like hey <laughs> yeah i like that had a lot of good stuff um for my most binge worthy moment dude like i was thinking of so many different uh, there's so many different scenes i forget how good rogue nation is actually it is good and Pretty good I don't know. For me, I'm a sucker for a lot of more subtle things. Obviously, I love the way this movie starts because of the uh, the plot twist. And we'll get to plot twists later on in this episode. But the plot twist where, you know, the, usually every Mission Impossible movie starts with, uh, you know, obviously, this is your mission. Should you choose to accept it? But obviously, you get the plot twist of, this is the syndicate. And um, we know who you are now. But um, I love how everything usually goes into, what, full circle or when a story kind of bookends, I guess. Mm-hmm. So for my most binge-worthy moment was the very end when freaking the straight-up dramatic Mission Impossible music yeah. is going. It's all <laughs> dark and stuff. Freaking Ethan Hunt. And then you get Ilsa House kind of coming from the shadows. And, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he goes, gentlemen. This is Solomon Lane. Mr. Lane, meet the IMF. I'm like, oh! Yeah. Yeah, and each member is like each side of the box, too. Yeah. It was so good. I remember watching that in the movie for the first time, and then people were saying that this movie wasn't that good. I was like, what? Holy crap. Like, they ended with the best, like, freaking plot twist ever. I, I like, know, dude. And then it was in the same location that they start, like Luther and Brand, like we're uh, setting it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was like, I like this is kind of off topic, but I like how they had that similar nod in Fallout when, um, obviously, after the motorcycle chase, and then he kind of jumps into the thing and it ended up being his extraction point. <laughs> So yeah, it yeah. was it's kind of similar but a little bit just different enough. And I was like, "Oh shoot." So I remember watching that scene in Fallout for the first time. I was like, "Oh, they pulled a rogue nation." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now that I just love that part. Um anyway, Jeremy, let's get right into Mission Impossible Fallout. What was your most binge-worthy moment there? A lot to choose from. Yeah, too many, but I'm going to go with a pretty easy one. I'm going the bathroom fight scene Ooh, with okay. the John Lark, yes, quote unquote. Uh, we got Walker. What's his first name? Agent. <laughs> Henry. <laughs> I think it was August. Walker? I think it's August, right? Yeah, it is August Walker. I'm looking at okay. IMDb. Yeah, with August Walker, we got freaking Ethan Hunt, and then we got the quote-unquote John Lark. Dude, that fight scene, like, no music. 
is pretty brutal. And it's probably one of the best, if not the best, hand-to-hand fight scene in the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, yes, I agree with you. And plus, you get the whole Walker, like, literally just... <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it was like it was like cocking a shotgun, but he yeah. was like he was doing that with his arms, and he was ready to like put up his dude. I was like, "Damn, dude!" And he was obviously yoked. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, because the different like styles of each fighter in that, and then the utilizing a freaking sinks, glass, like throwing people through glass, through freaking Tom Cruise <laughs> running through. Uh, John Lark through the freaking wall is insane. For all it to end with the, like Ilsa Faust shooting freaking John Lark in the face, and then <laughs> Walker is like, "Can you still make a mask? <laughs> you need to have a face to make a mask." Uh, the, the comedic timing th- yeah. in this scene is so good too. Kind of earlier in that scene, I love the. Um, remember when it's like, "Hey, where did the where's the briefcase?" <laughs> Like literally, and then obviously Walker like literally knocked out a fake John Lark, faux Lark with the the whole case and everything. Yeah, there was yeah the comedic timing is really good because it's like it's like where it's like where where'd the needle go? It's like didn't need it. It's like come on, bro. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Um, random aside, just because obviously you know there's that tie-in with uh, with Henry Cavill with Mission Impossible Fallout and obviously he's got the you know whatever his look is with the mustache yep. kind of going back with uh Joss Whedon Justice League with the weird ass CGI with the weird upper lip <laughs> god don't <laughs> remind just, me I just want to rem- uh, just mention that but also in addition to his look and I don't know if you watched WWE back in 97 <laughs> The original Degeneration X, but rewatching Fallout and seeing Henry Cavill, especially, I think we've been talking offline how a lot, a lot of d- old WWE clips have appeared on my TikTok algorithm. Henry Cavill reminded me of how ravishing Rick Rude looked like in Degeneration X because he had the suit, he had hmm. the full beard, but Ravishing Rick Rude back in the day was known more for his mustache. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you a photo of how he looked like after we record, and you'll be like, holy crap, that's freaking John Lark, a.k.a. <laughs> Agent Walker. <laughs> All right. Damn, yeah. yeah it's so pretty great. Random aside. Just, yeah. We have to throw in the WWE reference. Had to. Oh, man. Well, for my most binge-worthy moment for Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, well, you know what? Honorable mention, just because there's a lot to talk about, and I want to make sure, sure that this gets talked about. Honorable mention is the whole back-to-back-to-back crazy action sequence between, you know, with the whole armored truck and extracting Solomon Lane, which leads into the motorcycle chase through um thing. And then obviously, yeah. geez, you get the whole extraction thing. I was like, oh, you think it's done. And then all of a sudden you get a car scene, a car chase scene with um Ilsa Faust right after that. I was exhausted after that three part action sequence that was yeah, extended. It- yeah, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because there's so much going on in that scene, but there's also that little pit stop where uh, Ethan saves the, the police officer, right? Yes, it was. And he, pretty, 
Yeah, that was in between the motorcycle and yeah. the the car chase because they they have Solomon Lane are like, oh, they're in the clear, and then yeah, he does the whole gunslinger thing like you were talking about. Yeah, I was like, dang, I never really seen Ethan Hunt like shoot a gun like that before. Really, uh-huh. it's like, dang, dude, this is intense. Like just that, like the choices he has to make in such a quick, like short amount of time while like all this chase stuff is happening. And then, like you said, with the dilemma of um, Ilsa versus Solomon Lane. Yup. And then, <sighs> and then free, I love Solomon Lane's first words was like, that was Ilsa. <laughs> and then freaking, Ethan Hunt's like doing the whole Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my honorable mention. That, that means this, this whole binge-worthy moment has got to be Damn. epic, and it has to be the most basic answer, the helicopter chasing, slash bomb-diffusing, <laughs> slash Lane, uh, Ilsa, Benji fight, slash bomb-diffusing thing, too. Oh, my I God. I was so sweaty watching yeah. that the first time in theaters. I honestly, I don't think I enjoyed it because I was so anxious throughout. It was that good. Yeah, like, you know it's good. I remember watching it for the first time. You know it's good when that bomb goes off and you genuinely contemplate that everyone else is dead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, because you're so immersed into it that you believe for a second that everyone just dies and Tom Cruise, Ethan is left. Mm-hmm. but yeah it's like holy crap or you know the bomb doesn't actually go off it was actually like the the sunset mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah that helicopter scene is pretty insane i think it's because the fact that freaking tom cruise is flying it but also when he was hanging from the rope underneath the helicopter oh, God. <laughs> was even more like anxiety inducing probably like uh yeah it's Fallout had, like, some of the best stunts, honestly. Yes, and we'll get into that later. Love the teaser. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of teasers in terms of um, nitpicks, I'll mention this before we get to our next topic. One of my nitpicks, I guess, and I don't know if I... I should have probably timed it. That was the longest 15 minutes in history. (laughs) (laughs) So much happened in in those 15 minutes once the countdown started. Holy shit. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like Christopher Nolan. I'm just kidding. I'm pretty sure Christopher Nolan does a pretty good job with his time. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. <laughs> Topic two, binge or cringe. Obviously, there's a other side of that coin. Jeremy, what's your most cringeworthy moment or nitpick for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Okay, so you kind of mentioned it earlier, and it bothers me like all the time in Rogue Nation, every time I watch it, including the first time I watched it, was when the car does flip over in one of my favorite action sequences. It's so over the top, and it does not look good. Like, I don't know why they chose that angle of it being literally, like, freaking exactly... It couldn't have, like, a different angle of it, and it for it to flip over, like, freaking five times... On its like uh, on its bumpers, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "That's in totally insane." They would be freaking dead, or they would be freaking f- like ejected out of the car, no matter what. Those I don't care what I'm. Strong. <laughs> yeah, seriously, damn. Speaking of strong, the uh, those sunglasses were pretty strong too. They didn't shatter. <laughs> I like how they're strategically placed, yeah. just so you can pick them up and then go on the motorcycle chase scene. <laughs> it, it's 
it's a super nitpick, but it, for it to be part of like one of my favorite scenes in Rogue Nation, I think it's like it it kind of hurt that scene at the same time. I love how you mentioned that just because I mentioned it like the other side of the coin because for me, my most cringeworthy moment from Rogue Nation is actually kind of a nitpick on your f- uh, most binge-worthy. Mm. The ending of that motorcycle chase scene always <sighs> pisses me off when Ilsa, all she has to do is just pop out of nowhere and then Ethan just crashes. And it's just so anticlimactic because just like you said, yeah. so much happens from the, the underwater tourist scene, that whole thing with Benji going through thing, and then it goes into the this crazy chase scene, into another chase scene, and then it just ends like that. It just ends very anticlimactic. You know, they try to pull a Casino Royale, I bet. Mm-hmm. You know, remember that scene oh, yeah. uh, when um, uh, Vesper's on the floor and all that stuff, James Bond's chasing after, and then the car does that flip a thousand times, which is, like, it. I, that ends really well because then James Bond actually gets captured and tortured by Le Chief. But this, it's like Tom Cruise just, like, Falls over. And falls over, and then freaking Ilsa just gets back on the bike and just goes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. Yeah. So that was that, that I, scene has always bugged me. I have an honorable mention too, just because it's quick. Yeah, do it. The honorable mention is in the very beginning, in the interrogation scene. Obviously, the Bone Doctor looks pretty sick. We've emulated that scene in <clears throat> YouTube. <laughs> Shout out to Incognito and Time to Rise Films. Should have called you the Bone Doctor. I know. I should have, they should have called me that. <laughs> <laughs> this is before. Well, it would have been around the Rogue Nation time. Yeah, it was around when two, it came out. I, No, I think it, we were before, and you know, Rogue Nation got from us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll claim it then. We'll claim it. Yep. But my honorable mention is when Bone, the Bone Doctor, just gets KO'd by one kick from Ethan Hunt. Like literally, he's just knocked out, and it's like, oh, oh that yeah. was it. He's got like a cool name, the Bone Doctor, and then obviously the whole premise uh, and cool thing about the Syndicate is that they either have um, presumed dead, like uh, like dark agents or whatever mm-hmm. terrorists, and. He's one of them, and all of a sudden he just gets knocked out by just one just random kick. And it's with Ethan that's in handcuffs already. He's, like, tied to a freaking pole. <laughs> yeah, it's that plot weakness. They were saving him for later so he can fight Ilsa, you know? That's pretty much it. <laughs> that, and they just wanted it so that he was knocked out so that they can proceed with that story of, oh, yeah, you mm-hmm. killed all those men and you got away so that he, mm-hmm. they could keep Ilsa's uh, cover. Yeah, you can't just kill everyone mm-hmm. and then Ilsa's alive. You have to keep one guy. Ugh. Yeah. Such a, a such a cringeworthy moment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, nitpick for me, really. Um, what is your most cringeworthy moment or nitpick from Fallout? Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to piggyback off of your binge-worthy Ooh, uh, I love it. selection. I actually, because I, I talked about the hand-to-hand fight scene in the bathroom, I actually didn't think the fight between Walker, John Lark, <gasps> or not John, August, John Lark, yeah, but and Ethan at the end was, I don't think it was that good. Because it everything was, okay. was too convenient of, with the little hook and everything. <laughs> yeah, that was a little convenient. Not the yeah, but like just the um, 
for him to it's like oh it's the hammer versus the scalpel it's like oh shoot here we go and for it to just kind of be like rock'em sock'em robots type of thing uh i was like "Eh, it's okay it's not that like for i think it's also just for the location it's kind of hard to make the fight interesting where it's basically just like a flat surface for the most part Mm But once it actually gets onto the cliff, I think it makes it more interesting. But when they're just like on top of the the mountain, like trading fists, it's not as you can't do as much. I feel like. I feel like for me though, when I watched it, I, this is where I disagree with you. I feel like the um, I feel like the draw of that whole thing is everything's still under a time crunch. Mm-hmm. It's like they're still doing this. And there's still a bomb that's about to go off. Like, literally, everything was so anxiety-induced during that whole last, quote-unquote, 15 minutes, which is really like an hour, it seemed like. And mm. uh, <laughs> and I just feel like that's literally a part of it where it really doesn't need to have, like, the most elaborate choreography. It just needs to be intense. And I feel like that's the reason why I appreciated it. Yeah, I I still I do I would still say that this Mission Impossible has probably the best ending of all the Mission Impossibles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that third act final battle stuff is still probably the best. Yeah, because because of the time crunch oh, and every, and everything else going on is pretty every, insane. Yeah, everything needed to be synced <laughs> synced mm-hmm. up. <laughs> Whew. Well. Quickly, my most cringeworthy moment were all the Julie appearances in Fallout. I just like from the dream mm, really? sequence to like the end. I'm like, oh my god, I I just don't like. The, I've never liked the character from Mission Impossible Three. <laughs> really? I yeah. Hmm. I, I, I just obviously Ethan cares about her, but I felt like I don't yeah, know. They I don't just, have the chemistry though compared I, to him and uh, Ilsa. Yeah. And I feel like with Ilsa, it's more of a collaborative thing, mm-hmm. whereas they try to make it a collaborative thing, but it was so forced in Mission Impossible 3. And, you know, definitely check out episode 90 where we talk <laughs> about Mission Impossible 3. There's your shameless plug. Uh, but I, I kind of liked a little bit of the kind of interactions between Julia and um, Luther. When she, he, oh, when yeah. she was helping him out, uh, def- defuse the that one bomb, like while that whole thing was going on. But I mean, that one doctor from Interstellar, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just had to mention him. Chose the guy who died on the water planet I over know. Tom Cruise. I know. Or is he the game manager? Oh, game manager, game director from uh, Hunger Games, <laughs> the first one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, guys, let's get right into our audience question because we definitely want to involve you guys. And uh, this week's audience question is a very quick one. Which mission? Uh, sorry, which Mission Impossible movie had the best Tom Cruise run? And yes, we've made this a topic in our previous two podcast episodes on episode seventy nine and ninety. Yeah, we're gonna keep plugging it. But really, this is just a teaser for, for the second half because you know what. We're going to touch on that topic later on. And so um, if they do, uh, if our audience wants to chime in on which Mission Impossible movie had the best time cruise run, how can they email us? 
Yeah, they can email us at, wait, not at weekly, weeklyrealpod <laughs> at gmail.com. So give us your your favorite Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise run, and like what movie that's from and all that stuff. Yes, weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. So Jeremy, let's take a quick break. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. And uh, I mean, again, for topic three and the rest of this episode, actually for these next three uh, topics, we're going to bring back that that segment that we introduced in our first rewatch uh, for Mission Impossible and Mission Impossible 2. Let's get right into this or that. And so for that topic, again, we're incorpor- uh, incorporating video. I'm going to bust out. With the trusty hat. I mean, it is baseball season, so we're going to bust out with the Giants hat. Go Giants. And um, actually, which poker chip do you want to attach to Rogue Nation, black or white? Uh, Let's go with black. Okay, Rogue Nation, black. Uh, Fallout will be represented with the white poker chip. And so for topic three, as I mix this up in the hat, Jeremy, this or that. Let's debate. Ble- uh, sorry, blessed. Best plot twist. I can't talk anymore. Best plot twist. This or that, and you will be arguing on behalf of Rogue Nation. Ooh. Okay. Rogue Nation. I'm gonna go first, and the fact that Alec Baldwin <laughs> was the secretary the entire time was probably the funniest running joke of all the. Not running joke, but the whole like Jeremy Renner, because he kept saying the like, you know, I can't, uh, I can neither conform nor deny. Conform nor deny. Yeah, Yeah, like it's like freaking a. Like how many times? I remember everyone was cracking up in the theater when every time Jeremy Renner would say that, and then at the very end, when it's revealed that Alec Baldwin is the secretary, it's like oh, it's like welcome to the IMF, Mister Secretary. You know, I disagree with you. I feel like in the beginning, I felt like he was the director of the CIA, and I don't think he was the secretary yet. But I feel like when they did the whole bait and sure? switch, I for me, the way I read it was after they did the bait and switch with the whole Atlee thing, and then the the British, I forget the, I almost said emperor. It's not the emperor, but the, <laughs> but you know that guy that they uh, thing, and he saw the. It, IMF like actually do its thing and he was like oh shoot and then I feel like that's when they he was a believer in what the IMF representative and that represented and that's when he jumped ship from the CIA to the IMF okay if that is the case if I totally got this movie wrong then I have another backup <laughs> just <in> okay case, <laughs> is the I love the unmasking part in Rogue Nation where uh, Ethan is Atley, the MI6 yes. director, and then <laughs> freaking Alec Baldwin's character. What's his name again? Alec Baldwin's character? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I forgot already. I, I forgot, know. but his face, <laughs> that that super zoom in when Ethan takes off the mask, and then <laughs> freaking Alec Baldwin's face is like, what? <laughs> it's like the yeah. first time he's ever seen it before. See, and, and that's what I th- that's why I thought that he basically was still CIA at that point. It's uh, Director Hunley, by the way. Hunley, yeah. Yeah. So, because it's, it's uh, that, I mean, 
he can technically be both, can't he? I mean, he, at one point in time, at the very end, he was both. But uh, then uh, we find out in Fallout that uh, Angela Bassett <laughs> takes over <laughs> as yeah. uh, the CIA uh, director. But yeah, that I'm just going to say with the unmasking and the fact that they teased that Jeremy Renner was going to betray... Brandt was going to betray Ethan. Yeah. I thought the acting and stuff and the, the way they leaned into okay. into that was all like set up really well. And mm-hmm. then for the unmasked, you know, you got to have, there needs to be that weight to mm-hmm. when they unmask people in these Mission Impossible movies. And it's probably one of the better ones. I'm surprised he didn't mention um, whether or not, and again, this is kind of based off of our first ever screening back in 2015. Like, did you think Ilsa Faust was like? Where did you think her allegiances were? Do you think that was like a like a a little bit of a plot twist? You know, or? when I first watched it, I always felt like she was a good guy oh, for some yeah. reason. I felt like you know Ethan was falling pretty hard for her, <laughs> but for some reason, watching it this latest time, um, I was like, man. It's like you really can't tell whether or not she's a good or bad guy. But yeah. I, for some reason, like uh, the first time I watched, I just assumed that she was a good guy. Okay. Well, and also the whole beginning, we, we talked about it um, like at the first half of the episode with the whole syndicate, like just hijacking the whole, this is your mission. Should you accept it? I was like, oh, the, that was, I thought that was a pretty good way to start the, the movie, essentially the mission part of Mission Impossible. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, obviously, I'm arguing best plot twist on behalf of Fallout. Um, if I had to pick one, oof, man, I feel like there was some pretty good ones. But I feel like my favorite one was an underrated one. Because, hmm. yeah, you could do the whole Benji as Solomon Lane, but I kind of felt like that was going to... was a little bit telegraphed in a way to kind of yeah. draw... Um, walk her out to reveal himself as Lark. My favorite one, I felt like the best one that was done was the whole Delbrook and Wolf Blitzer manifesto yeah. scene in the beginning. The yeah. fact that they did the whole thing, I felt like the acting be- with Luther playing good cop and and Ethan playing bad cop, that whole thing, and mm-hmm. Delbrook like thinking you know he was all getting emotional when they started reading it on on air, or so he thought. And then the reveal that it was like obviously Benji is Wolf Blitzer, and mm-hmm. that the it wasn't was it two weeks? <laughs> the whole accident was really only an hour. Yeah, I love that whole yeah. thing, and it wasn't even we didn't even get to the part where it was still part of the cold open at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's why one. Of my, <laughs> I don't know. Freaking Fallout has the probably the best bookends mm-hmm. of the Mission Impossible series because that scene yeah that plot twist is crazy and the end is crazy and for that for but for that scene to be even before the title sequence <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, and so good when it's like that was an hour ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah. freaking luther it ended up being like a fun like little thing but it like the subject matter really was kind yeah. of heavy-handed while it was it was getting intense and i was like oh shit and then you could see like the passion you know like the fanatic passion of uh of nils delbrook uh it's like oh my god i got the manifesto um like read on on air at, on cnn it's pretty crazy what was the uh what was the beginning of the manifesto i forget the how it started 
I forgot. Uh, let me look that up real quick. All right, here's yeah, here's the beginning of that uh, that manifesto where they basically say there cannot be peace without first a great suffering. The greater the suffering, the greater the peace. I was like, oh, and then you see Delbra getting uh, emotional on on the uh, hospital bed and everything, or so he thought. And then that's when you know, when, once they were able to have him unlock the phone, and then they revealed everything. I was like, oh, man. That brought back memories of the first Mission Impossible cold open with the whole staging of the area to get mm-hmm. their um, get the information that they needed on that first IMF team. Yeah, yeah, and Luther and Benji are like overpowered in these movies, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I know it's so good. All right, Jeremy, let's get into topic four. All right, let me get the hat again. All right. And then, so for topic four, we're going to uh, be arguing this or that, and I feel like it's, again, it's only natural that we'll debate best stunt. And so, Jeremy, you'll be arguing on behalf of Fallout this time. Oh, okay. Fallout, I am going to go with the halo jump. Oh, the... Dude, that is, for one, it's a long enough stunt that you can appreciate it and just be in awe of freaking Tom Cruise jumping from like 30,000 feet. Uh And (laughs) while freaking arguing with Walker, (laughs) just because I'm afraid of a little lightning, (laughs) (laughs) it gets struck by lightning, uh, freaking Superman, and... Um, but for the fact that, um, they created these helmets specifically for the movie to, that are actually functional so you can see Tom Cruise's face is insane. And, uh, I guess a little bit of a nitpick for that stunt though, is the, the, the added CGI and the, the, and the lightning was a little bit much, I felt like, cause you can clearly tell like the, the stunt is there. But sometimes it's uh, over, like understated with the added clouds and all that stuff. Because if they didn't add that, I think it'd still be a really good stunt. Oh no, I really liked it because you know what? The underrated part of that scene is the sound design. After freaking Walker gets struck by lightning and it just turns silent for a little Uh, bit, and you just hear nothing but wind for a little while, and then obviously there's that panic. It's like, oh my god. He just got struck by lightning, and he's just like totally like knocked the f out. He's unconscious, and he has to try to save him and everything. And kind of to your point with the whole helmets thing, and they, I like how they prefaced it before they jump out of the plane about how it's like, wait, is your oxygen on? And you can yeah. see it all like freaking cloudy and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He has to turn it on for him. And yeah. then, and then like, again, the comedic timing mm-hmm. at the end where it's like. What's the matter, Hunt? You lost your oxygen? <laughs> or something like that. I forgot. Yeah, something like that. He's like, hey, you lost your... <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's like freaking Ethan saved... How does he not know that he was like knocked <laughs> out for like freaking two minutes? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that was insane. Because, you know, Walker could have ended up like freaking Brad Pitt in uh, Deadpool 2. <laughs> just... <laughs> just like... Pool. I forgot about that. And just freaking like, because, you know, we didn't know he was the the bad guy at this point. He could have just died right there and could have been a throwaway thing. People would have been pissed, but you never know. <laughs> Random side 
I kind of wish we got a little bit more odd couple, uh, like good cop, bad cop sort of thing with uh, Walker and, and Ethan Hunt. I love their dynamic yeah. together. <laughs> They're good, man, because as much as I like Jeremy Renner, they're two, um, his character and Ethan's character are two maybe alike in yeah. terms of like their skill sets. Yeah. Um, whereas Walker, like they described, the hammer and the scalpel. So they had that good like contrast. So if he wasn't a bad guy, I would have liked to see Henry Cavill like show up even more. Henry Cavill's like comedic timing was so underrated. It's so good. And the way he says everything with us. <laughs> straight like dry <laughs> yeah <laughs> like face very stoic and then he says some of the most random ass shit it's so good and tom cruise's reactions to like his face he doesn't even have to say anything he just has like the like open <laughs> mouth like can't believe this guy <laughs> oh it's so good but yeah for uh this topic topic four with this or that again you know, that leaves me with uh, Rogue Nation. I got to go with the low-hanging fruit. But before I go with the low-hanging fruit, I just want to mention this one underrated one. Again, I uh, mentioned the Bone Doctor scene. And then yeah, after that I knew whole it. thing, when he's doing that weird thing to kind of get out of being handcuffed to the pole, that looks so sick. You have to be in really good shape to be able to pull that off. Holy crap, the amount of upper body strength, core strength to just... And then, like, wiggle his way out of that. Like, he first he flips upside down mm-hmm. while holding on to the pole while being handcuffed. <laughs> and then to shimmy basically upside down <laughs> up and above that pole and to get that lift above the pole, too. And then oh, he right. jumps and he lands perfectly. He, he could have done a superhero, um, like, landing. And it would, have, it would have been just over the top, but it would have been like, oh, my God. See, I like. I was gonna say, I I had that on my list too. If uh, yeah. I was like escaping the pole, yeah. I think a stunt that a lot I of really just wanted under. to take the time to mention it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the low hanging fruit obviously is obviously the cold open where he's just hanging off the plane. Just seeing, uh, I remember back uh, in 2015 when um, when you're watching. Um, I guess just random summer blockbusters leading up to Rogue Nation being released, and especially watching it in IMAX or Dolby or whatever was going on in large format in 2015. And they would show the teaser of like kind of the making of and how he actually did that. Obviously, you know, there's protective harnesses and stuff that they ended up editing out, but the fact that he's actually mm-hmm. hanging off a freaking plane like a crazy man. Just for how, how long was he hanging out? Like what, thirty seconds? <laughs> yeah, maybe a minute. Like if you include run like, time? the Benji stuff, yeah, of runtime. Yeah, it's so crazy to me, and it just shows how how obviously dedicated and how crazy freaking Tom Cruise is just to be able to get a shot. You know? Yeah, because obviously the safer way would have been just to have like you know maybe a practical quarter of the plane. <laughs> Put it on a CGI lot, a uh, mm-hmm. uh, green screen lot, and then have a, I don't know, big fan blowing at him. Mm-hmm. But no, we're going to take off. We're so, actually going to take off, and you're yeah. going to actually be hanging off the side of a plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just for 30 seconds of runtime. And yeah, obviously he has to land the plane <laughs> in real life, you know? Oh my God. It's so crazy. Breaking oh Tom. Thomas Cruz. I don't even know if that's his actual name. 
Fake no, he, it, I know it's it. Uh, Tom Cruise is a fake name. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's Thomas Mapother or whatever. I forgot. Yeah, his, something yeah. like that. Yeah. All right, Jeremy. Last topic of this episode. Topic five, and you know it was coming. We teased it the end of <laughs> the previous uh, half of the uh, the the podcast episode. We've done it on the previous two uh, rewatches, uh, rewatch episodes. Topic five is this or that best Tom Cruise run. And you know what? I'm doing a bait and switch, Jeremy, because uh-huh. on the outline, it, we're, we're going to go ahead and debate Rogue Nation and Fallout. But let's be honest, Rogue Nation <laughs> had no good. T- Ooh, surprising. I feel like that's the most surprising thing. Yeah. There wasn't really any memorable Tom Cruise runs from Rogue yeah. Nation. They're, they're very short. Very you know? short. Yeah. But very they didn't linger. Yeah. So for topic five, we're going to argue this or that. We're going to sub out rogue nation and we're gonna sub in mission impossible three with the black chip jeremy i purposely did this so that you weren't really prepared okay (laughs) damn i know i argued on behalf of mission impossible three on the rewatch we're gonna i want to hear your thoughts on mission impossible three best tom cruise run why do you think it's better than anything that was on fallout and obviously i'll get into fallout Ooh, okay. With Fallout, um, he's on rooftops, right? Mm-hmm. But and he has to go like above and levels, all that stuff. So it's very similar to to Shanghai. In Shanghai, he starts off high, goes like middle, then goes low. So it's but for the fact that he's in a different country, well. Non English speaking country. And then he's talking to Benji at this. I guess they're they're both talking to Benji, but this is 2006, man. He doesn't have the proper communication. Yeah, mm-hmm. flip phone. <laughs> and no yeah, key, he he's got a Nokia. Um, <laughs> and he's freaking, you know, he's doing the Tom Cruise run for like a. There's that freaking long shot of him in Shanghai. And you can tell he's sweaty, which. A nitpick a little bit on Fallout in that scene, right? You you see him running for a while. He's not as sweaty as he was in Shanghai. He you could see the freaking sweat lines around his collar and his pits and all that stuff yep. and his face. Like they should have done that a little bit, like make him a little bit more greasier by the end of that Fallout run because he was still too clean. Yeah, just to kind of argue against myself because obviously I'm gonna. <laughs> Pitch the fallout side of that run to your point this is coming off of the heels of the 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 double heel turn or whatever the shootout within uh thing that leads to the whole um obviously there was that emotional um scene where obviously we lost hunley in that Mm -hmm. um shootout and then you know he's sweaty from that and then he runs and then he has to actually climb up and hang on and (laughs) Off of the elevator, and he's still not sweaty. <laughs> yeah, man, he's too pristine. <laughs> I don't maybe know, he's man. Not human. Because <laughs> in in I forgot how long it was in Shanghai and Mission Possible Three. It it was probably like a freaking half mile, maybe a mile and a half. I don't remember it's because he's running like forty miles an hour. Who knows for for sure? Tom Cruise says he can run forty miles an hour. Mm. So that was clearly like. I don't even know. 10 miles he just ran. (laughs) 
to your point, just I want to add to Mission. I, I love the Mission Impossible Three run. I really do. Um, okay. <laughs> it's okay, the, okay. it's it's something to be said yeah. about the original. You yeah. know what I mean? The original, you get the uh, again. It kind of pans out. You see that wide shot that you were talking about. He's really running, <laughs> and he's he's kind of weaving in and out with the whole. You know, trying to get around these locals, mm-hmm. and um. I heard that the, the they did the locals didn't even know that they were filming. Like those are l- real local people. Oh wow! <laughs> Maybe not not filming, but they didn't even know. Like you know, that was Tom Cruise running past him. Maybe he's going so fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you know, obviously, Fallout was trying to outdo Mission Impossible 3 with the run. (laughs) So I felt like that one felt more organic than the Fallout. The Fallout one is like, all right, we know (laughs) the Tom Cruise run is a thing, and it just kept going and building and everything. You know what I mean? So I feel like if I were to state the case for Mission Impossible 3, it's it's the original one. Two, it's more organic. And, you know, just to add to basically everything you said, because I agree with everything you just said. Um, on the Mission Impossible 3 front. Anyway, for Fallout, obviously, I'm going to be arguing on behalf of that. I actually took the time to figure out what the runtime was. <laughs> the movie runtime was for this So whole did thing. I, dude. It was yeah. seven minutes. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Damn, dude. I would be freaking tired from oh running goodness. that fast. He was sprinting, dude. Yeah, dude. I I start I started it from the time he got that thing embedded in his neck from from Luther. It was like, all right, start the start the timer. Okay, and, and I started then, right as soon as as soon as he started running. That's why I kind of said like six minutes. But, okay, no, yeah. so it's because I did from like it. I considered the whole chase scene. So okay. from the time he gets <laughs> the whole thing injected into his neck, from the time he's at the top, because he's still technically chasing. He's not running. Okay. But he's I didn't chasing run him. Yeah. Yeah, he's okay. chasing him up the thing, uh, and he's hanging on to the elevator thing, and obviously uh, John Lark escapes on the helicopter. I'm like, oh, and they get that wide shot. I'm like, oh, my God, it was so good. But it was literally the Shanghai run on steroids <laughs> just yeah. because the length that he runs, and um, you get some of the uh, – yeah, some of those nuanced things where they they run into like a funeral thing. <laughs> you get some comedic times. Like, why is he running in a circle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going upstairs. And then there was a uh, those comedic moments where Benji's like, "Oh wait, no, I have it in two D." <laughs> <It's like, laughs> yeah, it's like, "Oh, I had the auto rotate off." <laughs> um, and then you know you get the whole he he's got that one stunt that I uh, was thinking about mentioning on best stunt. Where he's actually running on the rooftops and he actually jumps and that was the jump where he actually breaks his uh break his ankle. I felt like that that was like a realistic stunt, so that was a part of it. Um and then he throws an office chair outside of a office, office and he just jumps and I was like, Oh my god, he could have yeah. broke his ankle again there too. <laughs> Seriously. You know he actually jumped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, freaking talk. probably didn't even wear a harness, uh, harness or anything. Yeah, I know. He was like, no, I, got, I could do it. I'll just roll. I'll rub it off or something. I don't know. Yeah. No, it looks like he jumped three stories. <laughs> but then, dude, yeah, the rooftops and that extended shot where he's like yeah. literally. That's where I dissected the whole, his form leading up to 
are screening for next week's movie. And he's got the <laughs> I was like, okay, let's play that again in like slower motion. And I kind of want to dissect his form. Yeah, you know what it is? You know, I think because I, I, he's de- his arms are definitely moving faster than his legs. But that the time from when his hand comes back down is really fast. Yeah. So like going up, I feel like is not, it's like his, when his hand's going up, it's a little bit slower. Yeah. But when it goes down, it's down really fast. I think, <laughs> and then, the, you know, you have to have the puffed out chest. Because <laughs> his really chest upright. is really, yeah, he's, he's very really upright. upright. <laughs> like, man, it kind of looks uncomfortable, man. <laughs> his running style, uh, again, we're going to, we're going to dissect these running styles. I feel like his running style is similar to back in the day, a former Olympic sprinter, Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson. Uh, he used to run for track for the United States, and I'll send you um, clips of him running. He kind of ran upright too, <laughs> so maybe he studied his running form and adopted it as his own. Threw his little bit of flair to it, his Tom Cruise flair. I like that little shot before he gets to the elevator. Uh, when you see it's a little bit of a wider shot, and he's running through the crowd, but yeah. you can still see him doing like his Tom Cruise run. But it's like you know Tom Cruise is not the biggest guy in the world, so you just see like this shorter guy running through the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's hilarious. So good man, like everything about that. Uh, and obviously they leaned into Tom Cruise thing, so you get some of the dra- yeah. dramatic music and obviously Love it. some comedic stuff oh i still i just those are the top two easily we could be one or one a in terms of best time cruise runs of all time really yeah really yeah shanghai's a little bit more gritty like you said a little bit more organic but i don't know they just lean into it man like you said (laughs) and for the like you said seven minutes Tom Cruise running a movie front. <laughs> I can probably I can rewatch that all the time, man. If you want to go for a like a run, just watch that before. Dude, I, I still remember watching that uh, Fallout the first time. Just like just laughing through the whole time. Just I'm like, oh my god, what's going on? It's like not for me, not laughing that because I was also laughing, but it's like because I was enjoying it so much. I really was enjoying <laughs> yeah. it so much. It, it was. Uh, it's it's like one of those. Uh, it's happening! It's happening! <laughs> yes! Ah, <laughs> yes. uh, euphoria! Oh, just yeah. Tom Cruise runs, man. We may we still may have one more episode where we can talk about Tom Cruise runs. Yeah, we'll maybe see. it's gonna happen next week. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. All right, Jeremy. I mean, we still got that competition going. I mean, we're going to keep that competition going. We've done this or that. We've debated. Now we're going to guess the Rotten Tomato score. So for season six, with only a couple more episodes left, and this being the biggest week since we got two movies that oh, we're guessing. God. Guessing the Rotten Tomato score. We currently have a score of, well, I'm, I'm barely ahead. I have 23. Jeremy's close behind at 20. And the guests are right behind him at 19. And so this week's guest uh, competitor for the guest around tomato score will be Jacob. And so let's start with Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. What was Jacob's and your score? So Jacob guessed 77%. Okay. I guessed a little higher, 86%. 86%. All right. 
and I guess a little higher than you. Ooh. I'm guessing 89% for Rogue Nation. All right. Damn. So let's go ahead and look up Mission Impossible Rogue Nation on Rotten Tomatoes. And all right, here we go. So with 328 reviews for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which came out in 2015, Rotten Tomato, the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter, I should say, was 94%. No way. Yeah. Rogue Nation? Rogue Nation was that good. You'll see on my I Love You 3000 score. Damn, that's crazy. Looks like I got the closest. I actually undershot it as well at 89%. I got the full three points there. I extend my lead. at. Tw- uh, I have 26. Jeremy, you were in second place. You get the one point. You're now at 21. After a hot streak, the guests are stuck at 19. Interesting. Hmm. Okay, okay. Let's get right into Mission Impossible Fallout. Jeremy, do you have Jacob's guess? Yeah, Jacob guessed 83%. I guessed significantly higher <laughs> at 97%. 97%. Okay. I'm right in between the both of you. I guessed 93%. Oh, man. <sighs> you guys put the squeeze on me. <laughs> Wait. So, technically, Fallout had a lower score than Rogue Nation? No, no, no. That was my guess. 93%. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa. I was like, I haven't looked it up yet. <laughs> I'm, to say, I'm, like, I'm not that good. <laughs> okay. okay, so just to recap, Jacob guessed 83%, you said? Yeah, 83. 83. And then you guessed 97? Yes, 97. Okay, and then I'm in between. I have 93% as my guess for Mission Impossible Fallout. So let's go look up Mission Impossible Fallout 2018. Oh, shoot. Uh-oh. Here we go. With 442 <laughs> reviews, Mission Impossible Fallout scored a tomato meter of 97%. Oh. Jeremy gets it exactly correct. Oh, you oh, can't get any God. closer than that. That's All right. Crazy. So, um,. After Mission Impossible Fallout, Jeremy gets the full three points. He's now up to 24 points. Mm-hmm. I am second. I got a singular point. And so mm-hmm. basically, it's status quo. <laughs> yeah, I have 27 points, and the guests are just stuck in neutral. Oh, there are 19. So we have we... now some breathing room from the guests. Yeah. God. <laughs> Can't lose on our own show, man. <laughs> I know, that would have been so awkward. (laughs) And we only have two episodes left, two movies left. So before we get to next week, we have one award that we're going to give out for this episode. We got to give it every week, every episode, the I Love You 3000 Award. We're going to actually obviously give out two of them because we cover two movies. So Jeremy... For your I Love You 3000 award, how would you rate Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Okay, I'm rating it. I don't know if this is going to be kind of low. Uh, 2460 out of 3000. Really uh, 80, yeah. <laughs> You're too low, man. No, no. This is, 
Because I felt like in terms of it's kind of stuck in this awkward position of being between Ghost Protocol and Fallout. Mm-hmm. I feel like the pacing is not as good as either of those movies, but it's still really good. Like, and the characters are really good. Like the introduction of Ilsa Faust, that opera scene is really good. Mm, the opera. Thank you for mentioning that opera scene. I love the theatricality. Yeah. Is yeah. That a word? And, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that could be a pun too right there. Yeah. Um but like the opening sequence is good, but the for a cold open to be that short is pretty pretty surprising to me for a yeah. Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. yeah. So 24 what? 2460. 2460. What was the percentage-ish? Uh 82%. 82%. All right, yeah. for Rogue Nation. Uh my I love you 3000 award for Rogue Nation. You're going to be like, dude, that's irrationally high. <laughs> I'm giving it a 2730. I'm giving it the equivalent Damn. of 91%. I That is really high. <laughs> didn't like I felt like I didn't like this movie as much. I and uh, I don't think it is um I don't think it's recency bias cuz I remember watching this in 2015 and saying that, wow, that was really the best Mission, Mission Possible at the time even higher than Ghost Protocol. But then as I watched Ghost Protocol more, I started to like Ghost Protocol. They're really interchangeable. They're interchangeable. hard, man. And we'll get into that a little bit later. I love the teasers this week. (laughs) Thanks, Jeremy. You're just making my job easier as (laughs) well for this episode. But yeah, for me, 91%. I like the, I mentioned it earlier, the bookends, the way everything kind of comes full circle. I, uh, I grew to love Solomon Lane as the main villain. Ilsa Faust, such a great character over this movie, Fallout, and maybe next week's movie. Um, But again, you get the whole built-in chemistry between Ethan Hunt, Luther, and Benji, and everything Ah, so good, and how everything just felt so natural. Plus, we get a Halo 5, even though... That's probably the weakest Halo. You get a Halo (laughs) 5 cameo here. (laughs) Yeah, like Fallout makes Rogue Nation even better. Better. Thank you. (laughs) I have that in my notes. But yes, I completely 100% agree with you. Um, I love you 3000 award for Mission Impossible Fallout. Jeremy, go. I'm going 2910 (laughs) out of 3000. So 97. What's 929? What? 2910. So, uh, 90 points away from 3000. So you got 97%. Man, I thought I irrationally rated mine high. <laughs> no, no, man. Fallout is freaking like one of the best action movies probably ever. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Easily in the, like the last 20 years. Yeah. My I Love You 3000 award is a tick. Below yours. That's why I thought I overshot it. <laughs> no, man. 2880, 96%. <sighs> it's that it's, good. It is really that good. <laughs> Fallout's insane. I considered it giving me my first 3,000 if I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought about it for a second, too. I was like, uh, did they have <laughs> Lloyd and Harry, though? I don't know. I'm just kidding. No. No, yeah, no. I, I thought about it for a second, but you know, you got to. Yeah, um, save that. Wheel room, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's not like the most. You know, it's a Mission Impossible. It's like it's, you know, convoluted story still there. Mm-hmm. 
still kind of weird, but it's not it perfect. Picks. It's not yeah, a it's perfect not... three thousand. Yeah, but it's pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, okay, but we woo. I think that's probably the closest we've ever rank, uh, rated a, a movie. Maybe potentially. Yeah, probably maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I probably have to go through the tape of the previous 107 <laughs> episodes. Anyway, Jeremy, we have another uh, episode that, and another movie that we're going to be covering for our penultimate episode of season six of this here podcast. Yes, next week, and in order to avoid spoilers, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. And I don't want to give more than that because I didn't know more than that either. I don't want... Because this movie, me and Ken already saw it, spoiler alert, I guess. It's uh, it's a little bit of a ride, and I think going into it is... Not knowing anything is probably the best way to go. And I feel like they did a really good job of that with mm-hmm. the trailers that they released because they literally reveal nothing other than just random like scenes and random dialogue. Yeah, which I, I'm grateful for. I'm glad that the trailers didn't show too much. Yeah. So what movie are we watching next week? I don't think. We oh, yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> Mission Impossible. <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part One. Oh that is part God. one. Yes. So, yeah, Jeremy and I have seen it. Obviously, it's out only in theaters. Please watch it on a very large format, uh, the largest format that you can. Uh, we watched it in IMAX last night on opening night. We're, again, we're recording this on July 12th, which is technically opening day for Dead Reckoning Part 1. Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about this movie next week. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be Yeah, you're definitely sweating during this movie also. Yes, there's a lot to dissect. I mean, it's got a two hour and forty three minute runtime. And uh so we're still what solidifying who's gonna be on next week's episode, so be on the lookout for that. Mm-hmm. You may be getting one, maybe two guests. We'll, we'll see. see. So, we may have another different format. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to next week for sure. So, before we close out this episode, Jeremy, do you have uh, do you have anything to plug for the upcoming week? Uh, for me, just my Instagram is jp underscore flicks on Instagram. Yeah. So going on the Meta Train Instagram, I mentioned Threads. Even though I really haven't been on it too much. I haven't really explored since those first couple of days. But same, what was it, screen name? Oh, man, I'm dating myself. Handle? Uh, handle. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yes, uh, you can follow me at Freakin' A on Instagram and threads on the metaverse. All right, Jeremy, this is usually where we get into final thoughts of uh, whatever movie that we're covering. But for this franchise rewatch series... And, you know, this episode is no different. Jeremy, let's rank the first six Mission Impossible movies. And again, just as a quick reminder, episode 79, we covered Mission Impossible and Mission Impossible 2. Episode 90 of our podcast, Mission Impossible 3 and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So we're going to add Rogue Nation Fallout to this ranking. Jeremy, rank the first six Mission Impossible movies. Go. 
All right. So worst to first, I'm going to go with Mission Impossible 2. <gasps> <laughs> How could you? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely not a perfect movie, but it's still really enjoyable if you know what you're getting into. The then hair. I'm going <laughs> the hair, yes, <laughs> and a lot of leather, yes, and a lot of slow motion, yes, <laughs> and a lot of doves. Anyway, uh, next we're going to go Mission Impossible One, the one that kicked it all off. You know, I, it's like they're definitely trying to figure out what kind of franchise they're trying to start. Um, well, I feel like a lot of callbacks happen in uh, some of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> some of the um, recent movies. Yeah, some of the recent Fallout. Movies. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with Mission Impossible 3 next. Then I'm going to go Rogue Nation, Ghost That's Protocol, great. then Fallout. Ghost Protocol. Yeah. Fall- Fallout's number one. Yes. I Like, I had the hardest time of going between Rogue Nation and Ghost Protocol. They're, like, both really good. I think I like the stunts better in Rogue Nation. Like the the water thing, the plane thing. Really over yeah. Bur- the Burj Khalifa? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Really? W- weirdly enough, yeah. Hmm. And then I like the the ending of Rogue Nation with the freaking uh, bulletproof glass. It's like so cinematic to me. I will say that uh, Ghost Protocol had had better runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it did yeah it did have better runs that's the thing i had going for it for sure <laughs> that's why that's the real reason why you have it at two <laughs> yeah <laughs> longer uh, runs longer runs especially that lower that low angle one like when he's leaving the birch khalifa yeah running ch- away from the sandstorm yeah. he's that fast yeah. yeah oh no he no at that point he was chasing down um oh shoot what was his name in, in the bmw <laughs> Yeah, see, the villain is better in Rogue Nation, though. Yep, I agreed. Agreed. So uh, I'm going to go worst to first as well on Mission Impossible. Uh, No surprise with my number six at Mission Impossible dose. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know, despite the hair, the flowy, lovely hair that I... Man, I want to grow my hair out now. (laughs) Every every time we we talk about Mission Impossible, I'm like, man. Maybe you couldn't go uh, Rogue Nation length. Oh. There yeah. you go. There you go. Hey, I'll think about it. Yeah, Rogue Nation. That's, that's something to think about. All right, number five. This is where we kind of differ a little bit. Because, I, again, I feel like you you mentioned Rogue Nation and Ghost Particle being a little interchangeable depending on when you view these movies. I feel like Mission Impossible and Mission Impossible 3 are interchangeable for me. So at number five, I have Mission Impossible 3. But I play around with the idea of it being number four because of mainly Philip Seymour Hoffman. I feel like he's still the best villain out of all now seven movies. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. It's pretty close. I need to digest uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1 a little bit more. Yeah, and I forgot that other villain's character, the one that actually worked with Ethan in Mission Possible 3. Go watch our episode or listen to our episode. I think we rant about that a little bit. Yes, yes. So I have Mission Impossible 3 at 5, then the original Mission Impossible at 4, just because it's Brian De Palma. You get um, an underrated slow motion run scene with the the aquarium. (laughs) It's the one that started it all. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And Jean Reno. Oh, my God. So good. You get the whole magic thing. Oh, yeah. Definitely a good one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number three. This is now... Ooh, meat and potatoes. Top three. Mission Impossible. 
Ghost Protocol is at three. <gasps> Surprising for me. And I don't know if it's recency bias, but I'm not going to say that it is. I will admit that Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is more fun than Rogue Nation. But where it kind of gets some points deducted is that villain that you mentioned. It's very meh. We don't even remember what his name is. <laughs> Hendrix, the, I just remembered. <laughs> uh, I, it's the guy from uh, John Wick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's See, all I remember. I, I, very... But I felt like uh, Ghost Protocol was the one that kicked off this latest generation because after 3, 3 was really good, I thought. It was a nice way to kind of get the franchise back on track, but it really kicked it up another notch with Ghost Protocol. Yeah. Again, it really could be 2 and 2A. <laughs> it's hard. That's hard, man. I yeah. Don't know. Uh, Rogue Nation's at 2. Um, for me, the, one of the biggest obstacles for me initially... Uh, for Rogue Nation was uh, Solomon Lane's voice. I, <laughs> it was one, that it was a huge nitpick of mine in 2015. Yeah. But once I got past his voice, I was all in. Especially, again, you mentioned Fallout helping out Rogue Nation. Fallout really being a direct sequel to Rogue Nation. Oh, Rogue Nation is so good. So I good. really thought Benji was going to die, honestly. In yeah. Rogue Nation, I was convinced. Oh, and the, at the end? Yeah, at the end with the bomb. His yeah. acting was really good when he was, uh, was. mouthing um, Solomon Lane's words. Mm-hmm. That was that was really good because you know Benji's been a staple of these movies. Oh man! Since uh, three, no three. He yeah, three. he was in three. He was. In three. He, yeah. was he was. He looked uh, a little bit different. That's he why. looked really young. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I felt like he was just coming off of um, Shaun of Shaun the Dead. Of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shoot. And then the undisputed champ Fallout non- nonstop action. Yeah. Uh, I felt like this one was really the one that just got my anxiety and heart rate just just oh my god through the roof. And uh, yeah, so obviously this is the first six movies. We'll see where Dead Reckoning Part One lands in our rankings. Because you know we'll go ahead and plug that in uh, next week. On next week's episode. Oh my god, it's so good. One of the few franchises that can actually, you know, go seven movies and have all of them pretty good. And arguably get better. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, we're not going downhill. I know. Fast and Furious. So good. <laughs> um, did we miss anything on Rogue Nation? I mean, we can kind of mention some um, final thoughts here. Yeah, because I did mention the opera. Or I mentioned Fallout? the bomb. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know. Did we meant? Did we miss anything? Um. Let's see. I. I okay. I want to throw in uh some love to to Atley and Rogue Nation. Um. I did not see the fact that. Well, I mean, I I knew he was probably going to be some sort of, uh, villain. But I like how they revealed how he ended up erasing that drive. That was very oh, creative. Yeah. I did not see that coming uh, the first time I watched Rogue Nation. That was pretty good. Yeah, some of the twists is pretty good. Um, I didn't particularly like, I guess, watching them side by side with Fallout. Mm-hmm. You know, the drama is a little bit better in, in Fallout. Um, like the character stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I felt like um, 
maybe what also gives it more points for me just comparing Rogue Nation to Ghost Protocol is that I like Brant better in Rogue Nation versus uh, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, he's like very much, you know, he was so hidden, I guess, like for most of the movie in, in Ghost Protocol. But now he's like more of a part of the team. Like, mm-hmm. it's weird how much, like he's basically like the... Um, most screen time of the team in Rogue Nation to basically getting no screen time. Not basically, he doesn't have any. He doesn't show up in Fallout, so I hope uh, you know he shows up again. Because yeah. fun fact, they were actually gonna kill him off in at the beginning of Fallout. Instead, remember when Luther gets shot at the very beginning? They're actually gonna have that be Brent, but he would actually die. Whoa. Yeah. That would be so different. <laughs> that would be different. And like, you know, for emotional weight or whatever. I'm glad it didn't happen because one, scheduling conflicts with Infinity War. <laughs> Funny enough, he didn't show up in that movie. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> um and then um you know, Jeremy Renner's like, Oh, you're gonna kill me off? Never mind, I don't wanna appear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. So hopefully he could come back. Um Another Rogue Nation just random tidbit. Dude, that was very brutal the way Solomon Lane was introduced. Um, oh, I love her. that instruction. That was so good when he, when he just literally shot uh, that young IMF agent in the head. I was yeah, like, whoa. They cast these people to be like, oh, so like even the police officer in Fallout, but then this girl in in Rogue Nation. It's like, oh, you're the legendary uh, Tom Cruise, um, Ethan Hunt, and then she just killed, gets killed off right after. It's like, yeah. damn, oh, man. I I like that. I love that interaction with Ethan Hunt and that young agent. I forget, I never got around to. I don't think they mentioned her name. Right? I don't think they mentioned her name. But remember in Rogue Nation though, when uh, Hunley, he's like, uh, Ethan Hunt is the manifestation of destiny. <laughs> I'm like, who's writing this for this guy? <laughs> It's like very over the top. Yeah. Very over the top. Holy shit. (laughs) Um, Shoot. Did we get anything? Did we get everything else? Because I feel like, I feel like for Fallout, a lot of the, you know, I was like kind of quickly scrubbing through a lot of Fallout. There weren't as many scenes because all the scenes were extended yes, scenes that breathed, were that were they were able to breathe, and mm-hmm. they some a lot of them kind of ran into the next scene too. So it felt like one really long scene. I alluded the to the whole armored car slash motorcycle slash car chase scene. Yeah, I was exhausted by the end of that. <laughs> And yeah, that's like freaking 30, 45 minutes right there. It's insane. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I'm curious if... I'm surprised that they didn't bring back Angela Bassett um, a little bit more. I wonder if she's coming back in future movies. I saw an Easter egg in Dead Reckoning. Oh, you did? I she did. Was... I'll tell you off. You might want to mention that. Uh, yeah. No, mention it next week. Yeah, next week. Yeah, I didn't want to. Say, I didn't want to spoil it for our our listeners. Yeah, in this interesting, interesting. 
Uh, but well, if that's all, um, obviously want to remind everyone last week's episode, episode 107 was uh, on something less intense than this movie franchise. We covered How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, which is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. But the actual podcast episode is wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever um, you listen to podcasts. And as Jeremy mentioned... More Mission Possible fun next week with Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It is out now in theaters. Watch it in IMAX, please. It it was amazing in IMAX last night. <laughs> yeah, the music's just blasting in your face, man. Oh, my God. I was humming it the rest of the night. Uh, but, um, yeah, dude, what a, what a hell of an episode. Um, I always have fun um, talking Mission Impossible with Jeremy. Um, I think we covered everything. We're ready for next week. <laughs> I think we are. There's always a lot of Mission Possible to talk about. Yeah. But next week, we're going to be able to cover this freaking three-hour movie. So yep. we're going to have some help, too. Yep. Yep. But that's next week. And uh, we will see you then, should you choose to accept it, on The Reel. <laughs>